Are you ready to dive in today? Because I'm ready to go. Uh, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to continue our series today called No Filter. This is week four. And uh, I am excited. This is actually part two. We talked for the first three weeks about who is God. Uh, remember, we, we said that many times uh, when we see God, the, the, the way we see him can be filtered uh, through, through past hurt, through uh, you know, your, your grandma, your mentor, um, whatever it may be. There are things that actually kind of get in the way so that when you see God, you see him through that uh, and it changes uh, who God really is. Like if you have an Instagram account and, and you take a selfie and you want to put, uh, you know, uh, a filter on it, you're trying to do what? Make it better. Because you're looking at your own self thinking, uh-uh, I ain't posting that. <laughs> I got I to gotta doctor it up a little bit, and, and I got to make it look better than it really is. But how many of you know you don't have to do that with God? We don't have to make him better. He, he, he is, and we need to get all the filters out of the way. Can I get an amen right there and see him for who he is? So today, uh, we are going to look at part two of this series, and we looked part one at who is God, and, and we said that God, you know, is great, he's mighty, week one, and we, we, we looked at the fact that he's also very close. How many of you are thankful for the nearness of God? The nearness of God. And then we looked at his love in Romans chapter 5 where Paul says that his love is poured out into our hearts and spills out over uh, through the Holy Spirit. And then last week we looked at the grace of God. How many of you were blessed by that? I had so many people say, you know, I just didn't even realize that I was, I was sort of living in this works-based Christian, Christian life, striving for something, hoping to find acceptance and not really living in the grace that is found in the face of Jesus Christ. And so that's really who God is. This week we're going to start part two, which is who are we? So we, we see God clearly, and now that we see him clearly, we need to see us clearly. We need to know who we are in Christ. The Bible uses that phrase in the New Testament 160 times. I think, they, I think the writers of the Bible want us to know that as believers, we are hidden now in Christ. But we need to know what in the world that means. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Praise the Lord right there, somebody. Behold, the new has come, not the better. It doesn't say the better has come. It says the new. All this is from God. How much of it? (laughs) All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. It's good stuff right there. And then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. I'm going to say amen right there again. And entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are now ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through you. Somebody say, that's me. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God For our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, that in Jesus we might become 
the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8. You can check it on the screen. I'm going to read it in the NIV. It says this, Romans 8, 14. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Interestingly enough, the word Abba, Father, we might think as it's referring to God, uh, that, that it's some you know high, lofty uh, word used to describe God. And, and as a matter of fact, it's a very common word, and many, and many Jewish people uh, would, would have had problem with this, because you're talking about the Almighty God, and this word Abba was a common, everyday word that just meant Daddy. You would have heard it in any home. Daddy, Abba, Papa. And so, and so he's, he's, bringing, he's bringing the greatness of God down into family terms now. This is crazy. Family terms that we can look at the creator of heaven and earth and say, Papa, Daddy, Abba, Father. It's powerful. I want you to just pray with me just for a moment. Father, we ask right now that in the next few moments you would come and change every heart, encourage every heart. Father, we just ask you to come and, and, and reveal to us who we are because of what Jesus did for us. Lord, we're done with the days of allowing the enemy to rob us of our true identity, to rob us of the gifts that you provided because of your death on the cross. God, we're going to walk in every, every blessing, every promise that you have for us. We're going to live this life as children of the Most High God. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. how many of you go? I don't know how long ago Lion King first came out, but I know it's coming out soon. I know that um, I think I'm like pre-ordering tickets. This thing looks awesome. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, I, you know, it's, pretty, it's a pretty good movie. Anybody agree with me? It's pretty good. I mean, uh, it's up there. Uh, it's been seen in my house many times. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, you know, when Caleb, who I think he's in the room, maybe, maybe not. Caleb's probably, is he 11 now? When he was two, you know, he, he, he <laughs> I'm glad he's not in here probably. When he was sitting in diapers uh, on our couch, could barely talk, uh, we put Lion King on for him. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but if you haven't, then you just came to the wrong service today because you're going to get all the spoilers. Uh, i just basically just dive right in. But if you haven't seen Lion King, come on, somebody. Like, I don't we, we need to pray for you. Um, and so there's this scene. See, see, Lion King begins with Simba, who's a, a, you know, a little cub, and he's, he, his dad is, who, who remembers the name? Mufasa, who had the big booming voice, which I can't do, nor am I going to try. And I, no, and I, um, and so, and so, you know, it, the movie starts with Simba knowing that he's in line uh, to be king, and, and he's a son of the king, and so he's kind of just walking around just like he owns everything. I mean, there's actually a song that says, oh, I just can't wait to be king. 
And, and, and it's a great, it's great. You just see, man, he just, yeah, this is great. His dad's the king. Everything is awesome. But there's this moment that takes place in the movie where, where Scar is trying to kind of wiggle his way. This is the bad uncle, by the way. He's trying to wiggle his way into, uh, into the family to, to, to take the, the, the throne. And so he orchestrates this thing where Mufasa actually dies, but he does it in a way that Simba thinks that uh, it was his fault. And Caleb's sitting there, I think, for the first time, two years old, can barely talk, sitting on the couch in a diaper. And this scene happens where Simba's over his father, and tears are coming down his face as he looks down to see that his father has died. And we look over, and my two-year-old, no joke, is sitting there just crying just watching Lion King, and we're just like, just right. <laughs> well, what happens after that? Well, well, if you've seen it, I hope you have, you know that he then, something shifts in who he is and his, his real identity through this tragic moment, and, and he actually, kind of through the whispers of Scar, flees and runs away from his true call and he ends up in the jungle hanging out and you know eating worms with a meerkat and a warthog and it's funny because he he starts out singing oh I just can't wait to be king but because of a situation in his life ends up ends up eating worms in the jungle hanging out with a meerkat and a warthog all because, all because his enemy came and was really just trying to strip him of who he really was. And I'm here to tell us today, this is the devil's plan for every single Christian. To rob you of who you really are as a believer in Jesus. If he can get you to live below that, then he knows that you will never walk in the fullness of his promises and you will live in fear. And so his job is to rob you of that. It's interesting because uh, when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted, what's the first thing that the devil said to him? He said, if you're really the son of God. What was he doing in that moment? He was coming at his identity. He was coming at who he really was. Oh, if you're really the son of God, then make this happen. And so he's, he's trying to pull down his identity. See, this is his plan for us, to get us to live in fear. Why? Because he knows what begins to define you, and this is, this is the, the theme of the whole day, the next few minutes, what you allow to define your life is what will control your life. What you allow to define you is what will control you. What are some things that the devil uses in our life to try to redefine who we are? Well, how about this? Failure. Failure. You're a failure. And, 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 and the enemy wants to just capitalize on that. Where you grew up, whether you or maybe you grew up in the foster system, and the enemy wants to tell you that you're just an orphan, that's just who you are, not realizing that it doesn't matter that you were raised in a foster system, if you were raised in a good, wealthy home or a poor home or in the suburbs or in the inner city, you are a child of the living God that has value, and God created you and designed you for a purpose, and the devil knows that. And he's trying to say, no, 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 you're just an orphan. 
So how about um, wealthy parents? Oh, I, I, you know, came from a wealthy household. I came from a poor household. And the enemy can use that to begin to define who you are. And, and maybe some people who grew up in wealthy households, maybe their temptation is to carry arrogance more. And maybe kids who grew up in poor households, you know, they carry insecurity more. I don't know, but whatever it is, the, the devil's always looking for an opportunity to redefine us. How about this? Good looking. Not good looking. Overweight. Underweight. Wasted opportunity. How many, you know, you could, I've talked to people who say, oh, if I would have just done this differently, I'm not where I thought I would be when I got to be this age. And all of a sudden, regret sinks in. Am I talking to anybody today? You know what I'm talking about. Regret sinks in. And the devil says, Yes, and he blows his whistle, and he looks at his demons. Perfect, uh, open door right here, open door. I want you to capitalize on that regret, and I want you to, I want you to begin to weave that into their story so that it can define them. And you carry regret everywhere you go to the point when someone asks you a question, you're speaking through that filter of regret. You're speaking through that filter of of what you've allowed to define you. And so today. We want to remove all those filters and let the word of God define who we are. Who's with me? Amen. Because here's what I've noticed. If you don't know who you are, if you're, if you're not sure of who God is and, and what he did for you, and then now as adopted children, what that means for you, you will live in, in many ways, but, but specifically two things will happen in your life. You will live for the approval of others. You will live for the approval of others. And then number two, you will be easily offended. You see, if you know who you are, I don't need your approval and you don't need mine because I know that I'm already approved by God. I asked somebody a few weeks ago, I said, on a scale of 1 to 10, how accepted are you by God? And that means 10, like 100% fully, totally accepted. Where are you? Where do you feel right now? And they said, I'm about a 4. And so you, you, you start to realize that most people, they, 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 they are identified by their actions and how they feel. But if you begin to know that you're fully accepted by God because of what Jesus did and you've been brought into the family, you see, now I don't need you to approve of me. And, and, and I don't, teenagers can go to school then and they know who they are and they can walk up to that kid who everybody else laughs at and everybody else rejects and they can befriend them and they can sit next to them and they can get to know them. And even if all the cool kids are laughing at them, it doesn't bother them. They know who they are. I am now free from you. Are you with me? I am now free from your approval. You see, if you don't know who you are, when you go over to that table and the cool people start laughing, you're going to start to feel like, oh boy, I don't have their approval right now. And it's going to begin to shape your actions. And so we need to be confident in who God says that we are so that we can serve and be confident. We can be humble and still carry the confidence of the Lord. So here's what I want us to do. I want to look at what happened to you when you got born again. Can we do that? I'm going to give you three things that happened when you said yes to Jesus. Because did you just, did you just 
agree to a belief system. That's what some people would say. And the Pharisees, actually, when they heard Jesus teach, they said, well, I like this and I like that. And I like this thing and I don't like that. And so Jesus, to them, was an addition to what they already had. What happened when you said yes to Jesus? Well, here's the first thing. And we're going to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. The first thing is this. You became, and we're going to talk about this, you became a new creation. You were recreated. John 3 says you were reborn. Reborn. Well, how in the world can that be? Verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a better creation. No, it says he is a new creation creation. The old is dead. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. What does this mean? It means when you said yes to Jesus, here's the first thing, you did not become a better version of yourself. And this is the problem now in Christianity because you can go to the Christian bookstore and you can find all the bestsellers are self-help books because you think I've got to try Jesus to make myself better. No, you don't need a better you. You need a new you. You need a whole new you because a better version of yourself still falls very short. Be with me today. It's going to get encouraging in just a minute. Hang with me. How does this work? Well, what happens when we say we are a new creation in Christ? What does that really mean? Well, the Bible says in verse number Uh, 21, that he actually, God actually, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, and this is just a theological term, imputed his righteousness into your account. And then what he did is he took the sin in our account and imputed it onto Jesus. It's the great exchange. And so basically what that means is, he even says it, he says now uh, uh, that, that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What in the world does that mean? Righteousness is your positional state. It is your positional state in the courtroom of heaven. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says there's no condemnation for those in Christ. That's a legal term. In other words, uh, the judge has already decided if you're in Christ, you are righteous and innocent. Everything that was in Christ's account got put in your account. Everything that was in your account got put in his account. And we're already uneasy with that. Because we're like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I don't feel righteous. So here's the tension. This is what we're going to talk about. Why, why do we struggle with the way that we feel? I stand up here and I say, you're righteous. And you are thinking in your head, great sermon. I'm not with you. I know I'm not righteous. You don't even want to know what I've been thinking six seconds ago when I was zoned out thinking about something else in your message. I'm not righteous. Well, here's what we need to understand. You are made up. Uh, don't fall asleep on me. You are made up of three parts. Every person in this room has a spirit. Every person in this room has a soul. Every person in here has a body. Your your spirit is really who you are. It's eternal. It's eternal. Your spirit is what defines you, but you also have a soul, which is your mind, 
your will, your emotion, your feelings, and then all of that is housed in this body. When you said yes to Jesus, some people felt something, some people didn't feel anything. So does it mean that when you accepted Jesus and you didn't feel different that it wasn't genuine? Maybe not, because your spirit got reborn. For a lot of us, this regeneration that took place, it actually filtered all the way through our mind, will, and emotions and into our body, and we just felt the love of God right in that moment. Some of you maybe were brought to tears. Some of you just felt this sense of, oh my goodness, things are going to be different now. But the bottom line is, how you feel does not define who you are. Your spirit is who you are. And when you said yes to Jesus, your spirit became righteous, holy, sinless, spotless. Come on. You need to know that because you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're not going to feel righteous. As a matter of fact, I'm telling you that you're holy, but many of you will, will feel, even this afternoon, drawn towards unrighteousness. How can I be righteous but be pulled towards unrighteousness? Well, let me explain. Three years ago, my family moved. We used to live off Starkey, so when I left the church, I would take a right on Belcher, go up Brian Derry to Starkey, and make a left. That was my routine for years. Well, we moved three years ago uh, down Belcher, right past Park Boulevard. And so now, when I left the church, I had to go out and make a left. And uh, to my embarrassment, I shared it with the church like three years ago. I was so embarrassed about it. But I, there was actually a time when I was so used to taking a right that even though I had already I had a new house, already moved in, already been living there. Don't laugh at me yet. I came out of the church, and I, instead of making a left to my new address, my kind of just natural instincts pulled me to make a right turn. But not only did I make a right turn, but I made the left at Brian Derry. And not only did I make the left at Brian Derry, I made the left at Starkey. And then I went all the way to my street and to my own embarrassment, pulled all the way up into the driveway only to begin to get out of my car and notice that the car in front, I was like, whose car is this? And then it just went boom. I'm just being, I just had this moment of like, is anybody looking? Anybody looking? Just get in my car, just pretend like this never happened. Completely embarrassed. Went all the way to the house. I'm like, well, I'm thankful I didn't try to walk in the door. But is the, the fact that I was drawn that way did not change the fact that I did not live there anymore. It did not change the fact that that was not my address anymore, that I had a new address. And there's going to be times when you feel pulled in a certain way to your old address, but that does not change the fact that you have a new address. You have a new home. You're seated with Christ Jesus. You're righteous. You've been called sons and daughters of God. Oh, but I don't feel. I feel pulled. It doesn't. Listen, make a conscious decision to say, I don't live here anymore. I got to go back to where my actual address is. And my real address, I can walk right in the front door and get on my, my recliner and kick back and enjoy my home because that's my home. If I would have walked into the new person's home and tried to kick back on that recliner, it might not have been pretty. Might have had some problems. Cops would have shown up. 
You want to go to, you want to begin to live in your new address. But your feel, hear me, your feelings do not dictate who you are. You don't feel righteous. It doesn't change the fact that you're in Christ Jesus. You with me today? What we do does not define who we are. And here's, before I move to my last point, I want to say this. Why is this so important? Because the enemy is going to tell you, yeah, but you're a sinner. And you're going to hear me say, no, you're not a sinner. I said, I said this last week. Though you sin, you're not a sinner. For you to mope around and say that, that you're just a sinner trying to make it is a slap in the face to the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, because he suffered for you. Not so that you could just be a sinner, but so that you could be a child of God. <laughs> so the enemy comes and whispers in your ear, you're a sinner, you're a failure. And this is when we need to know truth. Because you're going to even feel like a sinner, and you're going to even feel like a failure. But when we know truth, in faith, I can stand in the face of any enemy and say, I am full of the spirit of the living God. He is with me. He is in me. He is filled me with his power. Oh, devil, you better watch out. Because if I know who I am and I know who's inside of me, I can call on the name of Jesus and the authority of the power of his name will come forth from me. I am marked by heaven. I'm marked by heaven. And all of a sudden, I begin to operate in who I really am. So how do we do this? You need to wake up every day. This is not a one-sermon thing, by the way. You don't, you don't walk out of here like, a oh, good sermon. Okay, I'm a child of God. I'm righteous. Cool. And then you go about your life tomorrow. No, you wake up tomorrow, and you, and you believe the gospel. Because, because you're not going to wake up and go look at yourself in the mirror and just automatically think, oh my goodness, I am the most righteous person I've ever seen in my life. Holy, holy, holy. No, you're not going to do that. You, you, you're not going to do that. So, so you, have to, you have to wake up and say, I am seated in Christ Jesus. I am a child of the living God. And I don't feel well, but today's going to be a good day because the spirit of the living God is inside of me. His love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his self-control is inside of me. And Lord, by the way, can you just work all of those out of me today? I want to love well today. I want to carry your peace today. Oh, it's already there. It's already there. So I don't even have to ask him to bring it. I just say, activate the peace that's inside of me. Activate. And many times, many times, you, you know, when we're praying and we're saying, God, if you could just give me more of your Holy Spirit. No, no, sometimes it's not the right prayer to pray. You say, God, I, I just want you to have all of me today. Because you're already there. He's already inside of you. So you're a new creation. When you said yes to Jesus, lastly today, Galatians chapter 3, you've been given a new name. You've been brought into the family. What does this mean for us? Why is this important? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 says, For in Christ Jesus you're all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither... 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. What is he saying? He's saying you can own everything. You can be an heir. You can be royalty. But if you don't know it, it will be as if you're just a slave. Look what he says. Look in verse 2. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world that is trying to define you. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that, why, we might receive adoption. As sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Do you know that you have certain benefits as a child of God? So, so the judge of heaven and earth, he not only from his legal seat set and said, because of Jesus, you are now free to go. That's great, yes. That he pardoned us, yes. But he took it another step further. He got down off of his bench and he took off his robe and he said, not only are you are pardoned, but I want to adopt you and bring you into my family. Oh, you have a new name now and you've got things that are yours now what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine we're family now this is amazing there's certain benefits we have because yes our sins are forgiven but we are now his kids yesterday my daughter Riley who's five years old found out that she can call me from Alexa we have an Alexa device on our kitchen counter she found out that she could say, Alexa, call daddy, and actually would ring my phone. So I'm down here. I'm trying to get like an hour in just to pray and just go over things. And, and so I sit down at my desk, and my phone rings. Hey, daddy. I'm like, hey, baby, how you doing? Good. What do you need? Just, just wanted to say hey. Okay, I'll be home soon. Okay, goodbye. You know what happened two minutes later? I'm like, hello, hey, daddy. I'm like, hey, Riley. Just want to say I love you. Okay. You know what happened one minute after that? Hey, daddy, can I have a juice box? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, you can get a juice box, but, but, you know, just, the more you call me, the longer I'm going to be, baby, just, just, you know. And that's okay because she's my daughter, right? Now, let me ask you this. If Jesse was the one who called me, I love Jesse. But if I'm in my office and Jesse calls me and says, hey, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? Uh, good. And then two minutes later says, hey. I'm going to be like, Jesse, are you okay? It's different with Riley. 
four nights ago, Riley was sick. And so she was in our bed and she was throwing up all night. So we do what parents do, right? We deal with it. And, you know, just do whatever is needed to make her better and feel better. And, and there's just, you know it as a parent. There's just times where sometimes that just gets nasty. It just gets, just, you know. I mean, I, I literally have had a moment where my daughter uh, is in the middle of our bed, and on one side of her is a, is a pan for her to throw up in if she needs to, and on the other side of her is her daddy. And she wakes up and needs to throw up, and instead of turning left, she turns right. Now, in that moment, you know, it's weird because it's my daughter, and I know she's sick and she's hurting. As nasty as that scene was, trust me, it was nasty. What did I do in love? I just got up and I, I said, baby, it's okay. She starts crying. I just cleaned everything up. I said, baby, it's fine. Daddy's got it. It's, it's, it's okay. But if Jesse... <laughs> <laughs> And I love Jesse. I just don't love him like that. It's different, right? It's different. We need to know that we're his kids. Let me ask you something as we, as we close this out. How, how hard does Riley have to work to maintain uh, her being my daughter. She have to try really hard. I, I I don't think I don't think she does. You see, you don't have to work for family status. You don't have to strive for family status. You're just in the family. You just have to rest your head on the pillow. And know that daddy's got you covered. And whether you're throwing up, or whether you need school supplies, or whether you need clothes on your back, or whether you're just scared at night because you can't sleep and you need daddy to hold you, daddy's got you covered. Daddy's got you covered. And you need to know today, your daddy's got you covered. Your daddy's got you covered. You've been reborn. You've been positionally seated for all time for all time with Christ. Holiness is ours because of Jesus. Righteousness is ours because of Jesus and what he did for us. And for us to live in anything less than that is a slap to his sacrifice. So today, here's what I want you to know. If you're a believer in Jesus and you've placed your faith in him, you are a new creation. Come on, just close your eyes. Let this roll over you. You've been declared righteous in the court of heaven. Oh, man. You are in Christ, which means you have a new name. You're heirs of all of his promises, not just some of them, all of his promises. You don't have to live in captivity to your thoughts and your actions. As a matter of fact, your thoughts and your actions do not define you. The blood of Jesus, the cross and his resurrection define us now. And because he was raised, we are raised. 
We are in Christ, and we can rest in this every day. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you're working on hearts even now. I thank you, Father, that people who have lived as as orphans and slaves, that this morning, by revelation of your Holy Spirit, you can unlock the truth of who we are as sons and as daughters of God, that you have our back, that if we're in trouble or if we're sick, we can call on you because you love us. Do it in every heart today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder might there just be one in the room that's ready to make a commitment to Jesus in a crowd like this. I know that there's probably one or two, surely people watching online that just need to make today the day. Listen, the bottom line is, is, is this is not about religion. This is about a relationship that can bring you into the best family in the universe. And so if that's you, I, 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 I just even feel in my spirit, you're ready. You're already ready. You feel, you feel Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. If that's you with heads bowed, eyes closed, just slip your hand up at me. Just say, would you please pray for me, Pastor? Would you please pray for me? I'm ready to make that decision. Amen. Amen. Well, this is what I want to do with people watching online. And if you raised your hand, I want you to pray this with me. I want everybody to pray it out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and were raised on the third day. And I'm asking you today to forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Bring me into the family of God. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, church, let's stand and let's, let's give God praise for those who've made that decision. Come on, let's give him some praise in the house. Are you still awake today? Amen.